Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Overcoming Mental Health Challenges podcast. I'm your host, Evan Transu, aka Mr. Health Coach Ev. I hope everyone's doing well in the midst of this quarantine and pandemic that we have going on. Finally up in Pennsylvania, it seems like we're starting to maybe let loose a little bit with certain things. And I just, I'm really excited to kind of get back outside and see people running around because where I live, I don't know about all of you, but where I'm at, it's been pretty strict with a lot of things. So if this is your first time tuning into the podcast, um, all quarantine stuff aside, then what this is, is, is it's a podcast about interviewing people who have real stories and real resolutions to their mental health issues. So we have people on that speak professionally. We have people on that have never spoken about their story once before. And really, as of late, it's been kind of cool um, for the pandemic stuff, only because I've been able to access a lot more people and I've been hearing more stories and I think people that would typically be very busy and maybe not see some of my stuff we're getting connected and there's just been some awesome people reaching out so I've really appreciated everyone that's been you know hopping on for an interview if you ever want to hop on this podcast and you think you have a story that is you know worth sharing with people or that you want to share with others you can go to evantransu.com and then you can go to OMHC podcast and there's a little form at the bottom there that you can fill out and I will get back to you ASAP but for today, this is one of my favorite types of interviews, and it's because I don't really know the person that we're interviewing, right? Like a lot of the times, sometimes I get like maybe an old high school friend or I get a clinician in my network, but there's something so much fun about me not having heard the person's story before. But I do have a little background in that it seems like our guest today is very similar to my story in that functional medicine seemed to be a huge Thing for their healing. So I'm very excited to see how that journey unfolded for them and what worked. So our guest today is Brittany Ohl. Brittany, thanks so much for being here. Thanks for having me. Cool. So we always start the podcast out with the exact same question, and it's just to kind of give a little insight to how mental, uh, mental health issues start, because for some people, things were going on really early and others not the case. So what was Brittany like as a kid? And when I say kid, I mean like maybe that five to 12 year old range. Like what was life like? Um, if there was any mental health stuff going on, please feel free to share that. And if not, just share some of the good that was going on. Okay, so between five and 12, um, I would have to say that I was a very um, outgoing kid for the most part. Um, I did have a little bit of, I would say, actually, you know what, I'm going to say that I was outgoing with people that I was comfortable with. However, I was um, very introverted. Um, I did take a lot of focus on, you know, my reputation and things like that. So I did mental health wise, I was kind of um, more anxious about things that I, I would say. Um, not that I was diagnosed with anxiety at all at that age. However, I just felt like, you know, anytime I would maybe do something wrong or um, somebody would comment or criticize in any way, I took, took a lot of heart to that. Um, so that focus for me was, was a little bit challenging. But overall, like, when I was comfortable with people, I was very outgoing, very um, I love to laugh and, you know, be outdoors and stuff like that. So. Sure. Cool. So yeah. And this is why I always ask the question because I always just like to paint the picture for people. Cause I've had people on that. They're like dealing with, okay, very severe diagnosed stuff at a young age. And then others, it's like, okay, like, cool. Like the childhood stuff was overall good. Or, um, you're kind of like in the middle, right? Cause you had some anxiety going on, but maybe not. All right. This isn't something I'm going to go get diagnosed. Um, and I just always want people to understand because 
something important to me on the podcast is just ending the stigma. Like this stuff can start at any time and it can look in many different ways uh, for a lot of people. So cool. Let's just jump right into um, the teenager college years then. Um, when did mental health really start to become, you know, a, a big issue in your life, would you say? Um, I struggled a lot probably in high school. Um, high school was a, not that it was rough time for me, um, but Again, back to all the self-esteem and other issues that are, the anxiety and stuff increased a lot during that time. Um, when I saw that it was extremely to the point that I actually did receive a diagnosis is when I left freshman year for college. Um, I was put four hours, I went four hours away to Indiana University of Pennsylvania, um, had a roommate that, again, I was very introverted, so I, I struggled to communicate fully with people um, without knowing them. And um, I just found that everything was causing a lot of anxiety in me to the point where I was just going to class and coming home. I wasn't going to the dining hall to, for dinner. I would just, you know, have something in my room. Um, and at that point, I just had really felt that I wanted to go back home, like to my, my security. Um, I was ready to go back home. So over the winter break, after my first semester, I had went to the doctor and she diagnosed me with both severe anxiety and severe depression. Um, I just remember crying. She asked me one question. She just said, how, how do you feel? And I just started crying. Um, and at that moment she was, she, she put me on medication um, for both anxiety and depression. And then I returned back to after the winter break, my, for my second semester, my freshman year. Okay. Yeah. That's so, um, crazy that you just talked about, like she asked the one question and that, you know, caused that emotional response because I kind of get that. And I think a lot of people out there do, because when we're dealing with these types of issues, we're almost, sometimes I feel like the worst that they get, like we're living in our own heads and our own worlds kind of, right? And we're almost waiting for something to maybe either validate the way we feel or, or give us permission to express it. Because it can be very hard to express this type of stuff, right? So do you feel that's like maybe why that first question got you is just because it's like someone's finally asking me um, or it's like a validation of feelings? Like what do you think caused such a strong reaction from the one question? I think it was a little bit of both that finally somebody was kind of paying attention, but I also think it was me acknowledging that, you know, I don't feel good. Um, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't feeling like I should at, you know, 19 years old, um, who just, you know, got into college studying something that she's worked towards since she was in the eighth grade. So, um, I didn't feel like, well, and that was, I think the trigger, it was more so of somebody's listening, but also, I'm acknowledging this fully myself now. Got it. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And I think that's just as powerful, if not more, you know, when we finally have that self-acceptance because I, you know, I'm not in anyone else's head, but I definitely can relate there in the sense that I feel like I was, I had so much denial about the things that I was going through that, yeah, it can be uh, very tough and very emotional when we finally realize, okay, like, yeah, something's definitely happening. So, okay, she, you go to this appointment, um, and that's great that you actually went to the appointment because one of the things we're always trying to do on this podcast is encourage people to start the conversation to ask for help um, if they're not out there doing that. So I think that that's great that you did that. Was there like, 
by the way, like a specific event or anything that led you to maybe going and seeking help? Or you just kind of one day were like, all right, I, I know something's off and you did that. Like, what was the thing that triggered that appointment? Well, that appointment was just with my conventional doctor, um, just my family doctor. Um, so when I went for help, I think it was more so of, you know, I was at the time studying psychology and I knew that, you know, I had the mentality that if I couldn't help myself, how was I going to be able to help others um, as I pursued on to this career? And I knew that I wasn't well and I just wanted to go home, which isn't like me, not like I love to travel and stuff like that. So I was ready to basically give up something that I had worked very hard for. Mm -hmm. um, and then I just knew at that time, like I just needed to go at least see somebody I, I didn't know at the time who to go to whether it be a therapist but I went to my family um just my family doctor and they she just asked me that one question and got it went from there <laughs> okay and yeah well again I only bring that up because so many people I feel like they they deal with this stuff for so long and I, I'm in this boat too guys you know like and they don't get help with these types of things so I just think it's powerful to hear that yeah listen it can be something where you just go to your doctor and start the conversation I'm not suggesting that that's a simple thing or easy thing by any means but I always just want people to realize like yeah it's like going for you know pain in your stomach. Like there's no reason that these things should be separated in my opinion. So, okay. The doctor has you on this medication, um, you know, after this first appointment, what did the next maybe like, you know, several months or a year look like? Was this something that was working really well or not so much? Because I've heard enough stories at this point that I know it's like a 50, 50 thing for some, it's like this miraculous drug. And for others, they don't seem to get, um, the results that they wanted. So where did you fall in that? Um, I did not continue the medication. Um, I struggled with it. It was making me feel worse, um, especially with I, I do struggle with um, self-esteem in reference to my body image as well. So some of the medication was causing even more weight gain or struggle to get the weight off. So I just completely was done with it. I tried to work through it um, on my own. Luckily, I had a friend actually end up going to my school so you know it kind of helped me throughout college um kind of get through that without any medication and then I just you know would work out and try to do healthy things um but I think more so that I just distracted myself with the lifestyle of college so you know parties all those things mm -hmm. um and doing those things drinking and stuff and just kind of pushing it off to the side and you know, there'd be times that it'd creep back in and then I'd just like push it off to the side again. But obviously, eventually later in life, that caused a buildup. So got it. OK. All right. So, yeah, you were like you were one of those people that fell into that kind of second category where maybe it didn't have um, the results that it was intended. Uh, you don't have to tell anyone the specific medication. I'm not concerned about that. But if I may ask, is this um, was this something that fell into like, you know, the antidepressant, maybe SSRI or SNRI category? Or are we talking like benzodiazepines or something that were causing uh, those issues? Um, we were doing antidepressants. OK. All right. Got it. Cool. So, all right. What was it that finally, because I know, obviously, I have enough background from what you've told me on the email and, you know, from us talking a little bit before this podcast that clearly there was like a transformational moment where you got into the stuff that you're into now versus the perspective that you had back then. So maybe we can get into like, all right, you're in college, you're, you're living this life where 
all right, I'm still dealing with this stuff, but I'm able to kind of distract it well enough when I'm living, like you said, that college lifestyle, which I think is such a common thing in today's world, Mm -hmm. unfortunately, because it's just so easy to go be involved with something that is highly, you know, it it makes you feel good for the second. um, And it's very easy to forget about all the other things that we're going through. So how do we go from that to, all right, now I'm into this kind of functional side of things? So the functional side um, actually came when I was 25 for me per se. Um, However, I was introduced to it for the first time through my mother. Um, She was on her health journey, um, working out quite, quite frequently, multiple times a day um, at classes such as like the YMCA or something like that. And uh, I, when I came home after college, I was like, you know what, like, I'm going to start working out with her. And I would go to the class with her that she took. And one day we were in there and um, she couldn't get her arms to lift nearly like I think she could only get up maybe five pounds, um, which was completely not normal for her. She said that she was feeling tingling throughout her body, didn't know what was going on. So we left the class. um, And then from there, we kind of were trying to figure out, you know, what was going on. She ended up going and seeing a functional medicine doctor. Um, and it turned out that she had both um, Hashimoto's as well as celiac disease Um, and she struggles with some other things but those were the main two Um, and she at first I didn't believe her I was like okay there's no way that you know any of this is linked to what happened Um, also A lot of it was changing her mental health as well. She was diagnosed with bipolar um, years when I was younger, um, years ago. And then it turned out that, you know, it it necessarily wasn't that. It was was what was going on with her body. Um, And as she kind of went through her journey, I think I was probably about 23 when she started it. I just kind of started paying attention more to her and just the changes she was making and just how she was feeling and the different things. And then I was like, you know what, like, I think I need to see somebody because at 25 years old, um, you know, I was very active. I do CrossFit classes. So I was feeling as if I was waking up every day, hitting, getting hit by a truck. Like I just did not feel well. And then on top of that, the biggest thing that I was experiencing was the anxiety was just getting worse. And I had no idea what was causing it. Um, I actually was waking up in the mornings, um, with knots in my stomach, crying for no reason. I couldn't explain it. I had no idea. Um, when I was 22, actually, I was di- I was in grad school. I got diagnosed with ADD, um, by my primary doctor as well. Um, so got put on, um, Adderall for that as well. So I just didn't, I was struggling with the Adderall in reference to, you know, it was causing those symptoms of not being able to eat. So I wasn't eating. I also had the, um, I think they call it Berksism or something where my jaw was constantly clenched. Um, so I was struggling with the medicine and I took myself off cause I'm, I'll be honest, I'm not much of a medicine taker. Um, and I just was like, you know what? I think it's time to go to see who my mom sees, you know, she seems to be doing well. And I think I just need a different answer because at 25, I don't feel like I should be feeling the way that I do. Wow. 
That this is um as tough as this is to, you know, I, I never like hearing about people going through this stuff, but I think it's like pretty powerful when it's like a family experience like this. Cause me and my mom have kind of had this in the reverse, right? Where, you know, I was lucky enough to get into it and then I kind of introduced it to her. Um, she's done it and had great results as well. Um, I gotta ask you, I just want to rewind for one second because I think this is something you don't hear about all the time. So like, what was it that made your mom go to a functional medicine doctor? Like, how did she know to even do that? So for her, what it was is that she's always had the thyroid issue. Um, they kind of, and she was very tired of it going up and down, up and down. Like one minute her med medication was going up, the next it was going down. They couldn't get it balanced. Um, so she was like, I have to try something else. Um, and she just happened to run, I guess, probably also had a contribution to do with, you know, she was on her, her health journey. So she wanted something that was a little bit healthier and she just happened to run into as she was searching on the internet a functional medicine doctor read about it and gave it a try wow uh, well honestly that sounds about right i mean it, it's the classic story right the cycle of trial and error people aren't getting the results that they want um unfortunately and then they eventually just take it into their own hands and they start looking in weird places or like i told you before the podcast you know driving out to california like we, we really will do some interesting things uh to try to feel better so that's great that she was able to go there and discover these things because for those that don't know i mean celiacs and hashimoto's they're both autoimmune diseases and uh celiacs especially it is so common i wish i remembered the exact percentages off um the top of my head, but it is so common to see thyroid issues and thyroid autoimmunity in celiac patients. It's also incredibly common to see mental health issues because what happens with the celiac patient is they end up having these malabsorption issues. You know, they're not getting the nutrients properly. So um, I think it takes 11 years on average for the average celiac patient uh, to get diagnosed properly. So it's really kind of sad because these people can go through uh, quite a bit um, with various different symptoms. So that's awesome that she was ending up uh, or ended up able to find that. Now, you eventually followed the same path, you know, and you went to this doctor, you said as well. What did this look like? Like, what did the doctor, how did they start the process with you? How was it different from your experience with maybe uh, your primary care doctor? Um, yeah, so I went in for my consultation. Um, I made sure I had all my symptoms and what I was what what I was going through and I actually took my mom with me um, which was a great experience for me because they actually started out with my mom they asked her like okay like how was your pregnancy with Brittany like how is birth like all of that down to you know from the time that she was pregnant with me till 25 years old so um, my mom got to share a lot of those things and I actually forgot to mention when we were talking about the 5 to 12 year old range I actually um, I can't remember the date, like, or the year of onset, but I did, when I was younger, I did have, um, epilepsy. So I had seizures oh, okay. and stuff like that. So I did grow out of that. Um, but we did share all of that information and, uh, it was great. So I gave her my symptoms. She wrote them down. Um, we talked about it and she just ran, she basically took the sheet and, checked off any labs that she wanted to have done um, based off of the symptoms that I was having. Um, and then after that, we came after the labs were run and stuff like that, I actually got to do that in office. I believe it's called the MRT. That's what I did. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yep. <laughs> I use yeah, that one as well. <laughs> yeah, I just want to make sure I had all the letters in there, but yes, the MRT is what I did. And um, I went and had my labs done and 
in-house. And then after that, I came back for a follow-up consultation and she told me everything that was going on in my body. So it was definitely interesting to see and just watch the changes happen. That's so cool. And yeah, the MRT for those, uh, I'm assuming most people wouldn't know, I guess, um, that is uh, the mediator release test by Oxford Biomedical Laboratories. Um, it's a food sensitivity test, much different because of their patented technology than other food sensitivity tests. Um, no one else is going to think this is cool, probably other than Brittany. But I literally just had a friend, coincidentally, yesterday, um, who is a client of mine, but they live down in Delray Beach. So they're only 25 minutes from Oxford Biomedical Laboratories which is the lab that does this. Now, most people don't know this because it's never relevant, but Oxford lets you come and test there if you live in the area. So okay. Ben, uh, my buddy, literally drove all the way up to there and he went and got his test and they like did a 45 minute like chat with him. They toured the whole facility. So I just was like, what? Like, how did you get to do this? This is cool as heck. So that um, awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. And it's such a great test. I mean, what were some of the major food sensitivities that you saw on that testing? Like, did anything come up that surprised you? Everything, actually. Oh. <laughs> um, so I have, so we first went into, um, we went after my results came back, we, we went in and sat down and just talked about what was, what was happening. Um, so I ended up being deficient on both vitamin, vitamin D as well as B12. Um, I also have rheumatoid arthritis. Um, I have low magnesium levels and I have, um, insulin resistance. So that's, what's going on with my body. Um, mm -hmm. so when I did the, when I got my, the MRT after doing that and doing that protocol, um, my my results came back that I have um, intolerances to quite a quite a few things that I was consuming daily, thinking they were healthy. Um, so that's the biggest thing. I can't. Some of the things I can't, or I have inflammation to and, and sensitivities is um, eggs, like egg whites, egg egg yolks. Mm -hmm. I have a sensitivity to coffee and caffeine, um, cow's milk. Um, mustard, celery, just some of the things that I was like, okay, I'm, I'm eating these on a daily basis, uh, whey, I can't have any whey protein, um, or anything like that. So there was quite a few things on there that was just the start of my day. You know, I would have eggs for breakfast or something like that. Um, I can't have chicken. Chicken's a big one for me. So yeah. <laughs> Gotcha. And yeah, it's crazy because a lot of people, you know, food sensitivities is such a new concept to them. You guys got to understand when someone is sensitive to a food versus allergic, um, allergies are IgE immune responses, you know, immunoglobulin E, and that can cause like an anaphylaxis type of thing. Those are the kids that you saw in elementary school, right? You know, at the peanut table or something. Uh, but the food sensitivities for those of us that are dealing with that, and virtually everyone is going to have some, um, you know, you might get symptoms two or three days later. You might be asymptomatic. You might not realize that it's affecting your body. So that's why testing is really useful for this stuff. And what's cool is over time, depending on what it is, I mean, gluten, for example, is something that I usually I'm never going to recommend someone goes back on personally. Um, but a lot of those things, they can often be resolved once the gut is healed and once the body is generally less inflamed, although it does take some time. So it's really important, though, to get those things addressed right away because you can get some very quick, easy 
uh, wins. So mm -hmm. cool. I'm assuming, obviously, the doctor recommended, hey, uh, definitely limit, if not completely eliminate these foods. You talked about the vitamin D deficiency, which is so beyond common in today's world. I talk about that all the time. Mm -hmm. um, and vitamin B12, same thing. You know, even if you're not a vegan, uh, B12 and B vitamins in general are usually deficient. So what were some of the things that the doctor like kind of had you do outside of just removing the foods? Like, did they talk about general lifestyle stuff or, or what was just different about what they were telling you to do than maybe stuff that you've heard before? Sure. So um, I went on what is called with my doctor, a leap protocol. So she basically did a phase step-by-step, -step, whereas we obviously 180 different foods were tested. So they looked at them and we started out in phase one, basically just starting the healing. Like, let's take the things that you are reacting least to and those are going to be your diet. I think it was like 20 items for like two weeks. So it was very limited. And then as we, as we went through the phases, we gradually added foods. Um, so some of the things that I had to do is, you know, pay attention to my working out. Um, that was a big thing for my doctor is, you know, don't overdo it. Um, mm -hmm. especially being in CrossFit, lifting a lot of weights and stuff like that. Um, just making sure that I'm not stressing my body out more than, than I should be. Um, as well as, um, you know, she recommended things like meditation, which I did try getting good sleep. Um, we also stayed away from gluten, dairy, sugar. Um, and we talked about food combining, um, food combining when I eat. So, you know, for example, having, if I'm going to have blueberries, make sure I have like a fat with it as well. So it helps the digestion process. Plus I got my supplementations. So all my supplements were added into my daily life. Okay. Interesting. Wow. And yeah, that's, it's cool that you mentioned the lead protocol because you know, that's something that comes with every MRT that I run. And I gotta be honest, I've never actually done that with a client, but what is cool is, yeah, like you said, with those phases, um, for those that don't know, they're basically able to quantify how likely you are to be sensitive. Um, and that's why their test is a lot different. It's not black and white. Yes, you are sensitive. No, you're not. It's, um, it's more of a scale and probabilities involved. So when you're doing those phases, they are literally taking, you know, the lowest of the low green markers on the test. And I mean, did you feel pretty good in that those two weeks? Like what, what were some of the experiences that you were having? So that's actually where it, that was like my, like, oh my, like fascination started. So, um, I, like I said, I was waking up with butterflies in my stomach, knots and, you know, crying quite often, not knowing why. That almost went away instantly. Um, I'm probably saying within like three days, I no longer was experiencing that. And two wow. years later, I still don't experience it. Um, I also was having more energy. I was feeling stronger when I was working out. Um, and my health coach, because they pair you with a, like a counselor during this time, just because it can be difficult to, you know, cut all those foods out. Mm -hmm. um, and trying to figure out how to eat. She, I would go in, she's like, how are you feeling? And I'm like, I, I am not struggling with this at all. Like I'm doing just fine. Like things are good. And she was very, very shocked at that. Um, but that was a big thing. And then the biggest thing that I realized is those first, that first protocol period, I struggled for the longest time in my life, like trying to lose weight. Like I was so healthy, like, as I thought so, and, you know, working out frequently and the weight was not coming off. And um, the second I started, the second I took the inflammation out three weeks later, I was down 17 pounds. 
Wow. Wow. <laughs> um, and this is like, just to be clear for people, just because the foods may have been uh, temporarily restricted in variety, this isn't like a low calorie thing or something like that. I mean, no one's telling you how much you can or can't eat. It's all about the, the foods. And this is what I always tell people, man, you know, that we are so focused on the scale and the calories. And yes, obviously, from a science perspective, this is a part of losing or gaining weight, no doubt about it. But the truth is a healthy healthy body is good at regulating those things anyway. How do we create a healthy body? Like you just said, you know, we remove the inflammation and, and remove inflammatory foods and stuff like that. So I got to be honest, that's enough of a testimonial that I almost, um, I want to see what a leap protocol would be like for one client. So I would let them know that that's not what I'm t I typically do, but I, I'd want to give them the option to do that. Cause that's fantastic that that had that quick of a, um, you know, turnaround for you. And just to be clear, because I think you said this, but I wasn't sure if you were just referring to the Adderall or also the antidepressant. Were you on any medication at this time um, in your life? No, I was not. I was not taking any medication at that time. I was, um, like I said, I don't really take medication to begin with. Um, so I do, however, regularly take my supplements now just because I, I don't see them as medication, but as, you know, helping my body, you know, strive throughout the day and stuff. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And I have a unique, uh, well, it's kind of a weird perspective on supplements, right? Because obviously I think you would agree with this. Like, it's not like we should need them, but the truth is our modern world is so crazy that the more we are mixed in with the modern world, the more that we need them, right? Like if you're living some island life in Hawaii, you're working outside all day, getting sun, fresh air. Okay. You probably don't need any supplements long-term, right? But if you're going to be still doing the modern world thing, you're in school, you're in a corporate office. I think it makes a lot of sense and it's a good mix of both worlds. So I got to ask, like, what are some of the supplements that may have helped you? And I'd like to put a disclaimer on this just so uh, you don't have to. Um, guys, obviously this is not like medical advice, you know, don't go do any of this stuff without talking um, to your doctor or whatever. But I would like to hear, you know, maybe some of the supplements that you thought were most helpful for you. Sure. Um, I still take the same supplements that I've taken since the beginning. Um, it was an option for me to come off of two of them, which I'll explain um, if I wanted to. But I did stay on them just because when I came off, I was feeling a little bit more you know, I was starting to get a little bit of those old symptoms back. So I put myself back on, but I start every day with, um, glutathione and vitamin C. Um, and then anytime I eat, I take a digestine. Um, and then when I just in the morning, when I have my first, um, you know, meal, I take a B12, a vitamin D and a B Supreme. Um, and they put me on the B Supreme because the B12, um, actually wasn't giving me enough. So they were just like, well, try the, try the, um, be supreme with it. And that, that seemed to be, you know, my balance area. And then be, because I'm low magnesium before I go to bed at night, I just take a magnesium and that's it. Cool. All right. And yeah, none of that's even like, you know, that crazy, right? We're talking about a lot of nutrient type of stuff here, which makes total sense because our food, even the best organic food, unfortunately really doesn't have the same nutritional value. Um, as it did before. And guys, that's why I put the disclaimer on this stuff, though, because, you know, something like glutathione that could have a, a vastly uh, different effect depending on who's taking it um, and for what reason. So it really isn't just stuff that you want to just go mess around with. Uh, please do the proper thing and, and either do your research or uh, talk to a doctor. So that's my little disclaimer. Um, but this is amazing. This is so cool uh, just to meet someone else who's had a similar experience with this stuff. Um, 
where are you at right now? Like, how do you feel compared to like, uh, you know, when you before you got into the functional stuff a little over two years ago? Like, do you still um, deal with some symptoms or do you kind of feel like 100 percent? How would you describe that? Um, I will say that lately more so I've been feeling probably at 100 percent. Um, I'm doing very well with um, this quarantine as crazy as it is. I'm I'm actually finding that I have more time to focus on, you know, my, my health and stuff like that. And I'm not getting so stressed out and stuff with, um, some of the things that I was before. Um, so I've, I'm doing well right now. I've actually realized the biggest thing that's come up for me is I set my alarm every day for, um, five 30 in the morning and I do not necessarily need to set it. I wake, my body wakes up on its own. Um, about five o'clock and I'm up and ready to go. I'm not feeling tired. Um, and I just kind of get my start, my day started then. Um, but yeah, right now it's doing really well. I have a lot of energy. I feel very positive. So mental health wise, I'm not, I'm not, I would say that I'm not struggling really at all. This is so cool. Oh, that's awesome. And how is, uh, like, because obviously your mom was much farther along, probably the, the path of disease, unfortunately, like how is she doing in, uh, like today? She is good for the most part. Um, she does struggle with just, you know, having a household that is not, um, they don't struggle with celiacs. So um, trying to control that and allow them to continue to live their life how they want to live it, but also being cautious of her own um, and trying to get them to understand just the seriousness of, you know, even the smallest crumb of what it could do for her. So um, she has her ups and down days, but for the most part, she's definitely not struggling like she once was. Awesome. And yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. Cause I'm not going to try to explain it to everyone, but it's such a good point. Like when you have, yeah, if it, the celiac's household isn't completely gluten-free, you really got to be careful uh, with those types of things. So um, that's cool though that she's doing overall better. I, I just love hearing stuff like that. Now you had talked about uh, before we got on that you're someone that loves reading about this stuff, nerding out textbooks, whatever. What is like your favorite book that you've ever read that has to do with this subject? Um, so I, granted, it, it can be like a hit or miss for some people, but I, since I struggle with insulin resistance, um, I have read both of Kelly Levesque's Body Love and Body Love Every Day. Um, but we do, I do have also read Food Fix. Um, I can't remember the author's name at the top of my head, but um, Food Fix, as well as, um, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's called The Genius Brain. It's been a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, a little bit. So I have um, read quite a bit of those and I keep ordering books on Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, when you have the experience of getting better with it, it's like it happens to so many people that I know. Like you just like you can't stop reading about like, why did this work? <laughs> like, you're like, right. What, what right. just happened? Because so many other people don't even know that this exists or aren't doing it. And yet you just felt it yourself. So you just kind of become obsessed with the topics. That's awesome. Um, now, I always try to ask, like, just to see if there is anything there, um, and there might not be, but functional health stuff aside, what are some things, again, if you would consider anything, you know, major actually there, that really have helped your mental health outside of that? And I mean, like, maybe like an activity or a hobby, um, you talked about meditation, like, are there anything, are any things out there that like have really helped your mental health, but maybe wouldn't be something that would cure anyone's mental health issues by any means? Um, yes, I am a very big believer in um like 
personal development books. Um, I do a lot of that reading. And, you know, I wasn't always a reader at the beginning, but sometimes I feel like when I read those books, I can connect on some level in my life that whether it's, you know, struggling with self-image or, you know, like I, at one point I was heavily struggling with losing weight and feeling like what's wrong with me um, or anything like that. Um, so definitely I would say any kind of personal development book um, as well as exercise. I There's days that I don't want to do it, but every day I get up and I move my body in some way. Um, for example, today I got up at I got out of bed at like six and I went for a mile run um, and it doesn't have to be anything big, but just to get your body moving can really start your day. So mm -hmm. I would say doing things like that. That's perfect. And uh, I'm going to like, I got to watch myself here because someone's going to probably think I paid you to come on this podcast because <laughs> I literally talk. I mean, that's, I always talk about the personal development stuff. And for me, that actually preceded um, any of the functional health stuff. Like I really needed to get into that to get my mind right. Um, to apply all these things. And yeah, I mean, you know, six, seven years later, I'm still reading this stuff and it's still an active part of my life because it just, it, it works for a lot more than just mental health. You know, like it really is a lifelong um, effort. So this is so cool. I always, uh, I, I kind of finish up on the same question. I just want to make sure, especially because I feel like I'm so interested in your story that I may have taken this a weird way. Um, and I want to make sure that anything that you got, wanted to get out there, you got out there. So my final kind of question is, if is there anything that we missed? Are there any things with the mental health or functional health, whatever, that you think we didn't touch on that you wished I would have touched on? Um, no, I think it was pretty good. Um, like I said, when I did, um, when I was younger, they had the epilepsy and that actually when when going through my protocol and everything, um, that is actually a neurological symptom of having some kind of, you know, food sensitivity or something like that. Um, so there are things like that. And, and you'd be surprised, I think, for me that I realized that some of the smallest things you don't realize are actually symptoms to the foods that you're eating. Um, for example, I have what's called keratosis pilaris. And when I changed my diet, that is it's basically gone now um wow. as well as um you know just different things like muscle spasms or one of the biggest things was like ringing in your ears and itchy ears like um I also one of the biggest ones ever since I was younger my dad still struggles with it but I do not um we both struggled with post nasal drip um and when I changed my diet that had also gone away so I have not had that experience I've not struggled with that for two years now Wow. All right. Awesome. Another person, man, into the functional stuff and then sharing it with other people um, to help them and kind of level the playing field. I absolutely love it. Um, now, Brittany, you're not doing anything like, like you said, like necessarily business wise or whatever, but you did express to me that you do share some of your stories sometimes and maybe some posts that are relevant to people going with this stuff. So where can they find you? Where can they uh, follow you? Sure. I can be followed on Instagram. It would be at Brittany Old, just my first and last name. Um, and you can follow me there. If you have any questions, you can definitely shoot me over a message. Awesome. And I'll put that in the show notes guys. So you will see it there. Uh, but yeah, Brittany, thank you so much for coming on. This was just like, I get excited about the functional health stuff. So this was really fun for me. Uh, but for now, you guys have been listening to another episode of the overcoming mental health challenges podcast with your host, Evan Transu, AKA health coach Ev and our guest, Brittany, we will see you guys next week. Thanks so much for tuning in.